Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Spirit is still here. Spirit is still here and wants to do some things this morning. And when you hear the word that he has for you today, I'm expecting there to be some people running around. Running around. You ready to run? I mean, are you really ready to run? I like what uh, Ron Carpenter said in a message I listened to. He said, I can huck and buck and run with the rest of you. He said, I guarantee you, if you take off one, he take off one and around a lap, I'm going to catch you on the second one. So when the Holy Spirit comes, how many of you know that that's not the Holy Spirit? How many of you realize that? That's, you running isn't the Holy Spirit. It's your reaction to the Holy Spirit. It's your reaction to the Holy Spirit. So then when I see people running and people falling out, that means that the Spirit is in the house. Man, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit is in the house today. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Okay, so I got my iPad set up this week, so I'm not, it's not going to give me fits like it did last week. How many of you know that you know, electronic devices are awesome in their capabilities, but sometimes they can lead to frustration? <laughs> huh? It's, and the reason that I had it, I got a new one. And so I didn't have it set up quite right last week. So now it's ready to go. It's ready to go. See, when, I, when, I, when the Holy Spirit is, around, is here, my reaction is that I start to... It's like right now, I'm, you know why I'm wandering up and back and pacing so much? Is because if I stop, my right leg would just be going... Because my hand is doing it right now. You ready for this? Are you ready for the word? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, that you are here. We thank you that you came to do what nobody else could do. You came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. God, I praise you and thank you for the word. I praise you and thank you that it's anointed this morning. I thank you that you've anointed me to preach the good news. I thank you, God, that you are in this place. And that this word is going to go out and it's going to accomplish what you set it forth to do. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Can you read that title? Doesn't belong to you. Doesn't belong to you. This morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. How many of you have read 2 Chronicles lately? <laughs> My wife says, I have. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and, I'm not, and this, this is the story of King Jehoshaphat, or King Jehoshaphat, or however you want to pronounce his name. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. This is his story. See, Jehoshaphat, I'll give you a little background of what Jehoshaphat is or who he is. He was a king of Judah. You don't have to have that verse up there yet, Vicki. He's the king of Judah. I mean, you know, the king of Judah and the king of Israel at this particular time were two different people. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and Jehoshaphat was the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, which was the kingdom that included Judah and Benjamin. Did you know that or not? See, you learned something today. It's like going to school all over again. You thought you guys, you thought you were out for the weekend, right? Jehoshaphat was king of the southern kingdom and he strengthened their borders against the northern kingdom because the northern and the southern kingdoms just didn't quite get along 
Sound familiar? People in the same household just not quite getting along. Jehoshaphat tore down the high places. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago about high places. Remember the word? We talked about the, the Aram. Aram meaning high places. God was tearing those things down. Another thing that King Jehoshaphat did is he educated the kingdom in the law of God. His reign, because of what he did, was blessed. His reign was blessed. His son's reign was blessed. So we have here the story of, of King Jehoshaphat, this great king. By the way, King Jehoshaphat didn't start reigning until he was 35 years old. And he reigned for 25 years. And in that time, he did those things, and God blessed him for it. So what does that tell me? It, that tells me that just because I may be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, it doesn't mean that God is not going to use me at some point in time, and he's going to bless what he gives me to do. I know. I lived it. But here's the story of somebody coming, somebody comes in, and I don't know who it was, it doesn't really say who it was, but they came, they came to notify the king, said, the king, there's a vast army coming to attack us, and they're already at Engedi. This is a desert. They're already there. That means they're on their way. They're the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites. There's a lot more other ites, but just not in this particular battle. When they were coming together, a vast army. He didn't say, they didn't come up and say, hey, king, we got a few guys coming over here to cause some trouble. No, he said, we have a vast army coming, and they're almost here. You remember En Gedi, how desolate the place is. But I want, you to re I want you to see what Jehoshaphat's response was. Jehoshaphat's response was, the first thing that he did was they gathered together to fast and pray and petition God. They didn't start, he didn't start wringing his hands. Scripture says, that they were afraid. But instead of just sitting by and wringing their hands and worrying about what are we going to do? Oh, no, what are we going to do? 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 No. Jehoshaphat knew where his strength lied. He knew where, what, where his power was from. And he went and said, we, not just him, but we are going to fast, we're going to pray, and we're going to petition God. That's what we did for four weeks this last month. We fasted, we prayed, and we petitioned God. What did we petition God for? We petitioned God for vision and, and, and to open up his vision for us as a church and to lead us and to guide us into the places that we're supposed to go, to touch the lives that we're supposed to touch. Because there's a plan for us, and we have to touch those folks. God has designed it and ordained that we do it. Not somebody else do it. Somebody else has a, has a mission and a job of their own to do. We have to do our job. Otherwise, somebody else has to pick up the slack. And I don't want people picking up the slack for me. I have a better work ethic than that. And I'm assuming and hoping that you do too. Because you're here. Says he resolved to inquire of the Lord. He acknowledged the Lord in the matter. Scripture says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, in all our ways, acknowledge him. 
What does that mean? That means, I talked about this some time ago too. The talk, it's not just saying, hey, you know, giving a nod to or to, to, hey, God, I see you there. No, it's realizing that he's in charge, that he takes care of everything. And we acknowledge him and say, God, what is it that you want us to do? Where is it that you want us to go? Who is it that you want us to talk to? I acknowledge you, God. Another thing that has to do with this is they had, they had some, uh, they looked to God, and it wasn't like they were, they were asking God to do something that he wasn't inclined to do. The reason was is because they were defending his promised land. They defend, were defending what God had promised them. And when God promises you something and somebody comes against it, you can go to God and rest assured that he is going to help you defend what he has given you, defend the promise that he has told you. See, their response was not only that they do that, but they also acknowledged their weakness and lack of understanding, and they acknowledged God's sovereignty. God, we can't do it. God, we can't do it. There's so many of them and so few of us, we can't do it. So God, we're putting our lives in your hands. It's where it should be anyway. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, reading from the Amplified, it says, But he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, my loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is per being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. They acknowledged their weakness because they knew that God's perfect will would be done. They knew that the power of God would be shown through them through their weakness. It's going to be so that they couldn't boast about it. See, we, we, we want to boast about the, our accomplishments and we want to boast about the things that, that, that happen in our life. Oh, well, we conquered this. I conquered cigarettes. I conquered alcohol. I conquered whatever it is. I conquered pornography. You didn't do anything. You didn't do it. God did it. So take I out of our vocabulary. We got to say, God, thank you that you did that. Thank you, God. You did it. Psalm chapter 33, verse 16 to 22, and I'm reading this from the New King James. I like different translations if you don't know that. Because some, of it, some, of, some translations say it a little better than others. So this is the New King James. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for glory. Neither shall it deliver any by its strength, great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart will rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. It's not in my strength. It's not in the strength. You know, there's another scripture that says not, it's not... Uh, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Why? Because God is going to deliver us. The battle belongs to him, not to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. Psalm 44, 6-7 from the New Living Translation, I do not trust in my bow. I do not count on my sword to save me. You are the one who gives us victory over our enemies. You disgrace those who hate us. In other words, God brings vindication. You don't have to. God will vindicate you. You don't have to stand up for yourself. 
Somebody comes at you and talks mean to you, talks down to you, disrespects you. Guess what? If you're a child of God, you let that go. God will vindicate you. God will repay. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. It's his battle, not your battle. I had to, I had to learn this a little bit this week. I had realized that I was harboring some unforgiveness and, unfor- and, and uh, I had offense, had taken offense from some things that have happened. You see, when I do that, then that starts clogging up the outlet. It starts clogging up the hearing. And pretty soon, I'm not hearing God in the Spirit the way I should be hearing Him. I'm not able to minister to you or to anybody else the way that God wants me to do that because I have things in my life. And so I had to say, and I verbally, and I'm still doing it because it's a process. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. Not only does that work in me, it releases them for God to work in their life. For him to take and do the things that he wants to do them. And then you're blessing them. Because it's his battle, not mine. I can't take up the offense. I can't can't take the bait. I was reading this morning about, about Miriam and Aaron. And how they started talking about Moses. Well, we're just as good as Moses is. <laughs> That's what they said. They were saying, well, we're just as good as Moses. We can do whatever Moses can do. God called, God called them to the carpet. He said, Miriam, Aaron, Moses... Tent of meeting, now. He didn't give them the option. He said, now. And this says, they went to the tent of meeting, and, the, and God came down in a pillar of cloud in front of the door. Why did he do that? So they couldn't get away. <laughs> it's like when you're correcting your kids. You don't leave the door open. You close the door. You don't want them to escape. Oh, come on, you know that's funny. (laughs) You know you did it. (laughs) That too. And he told them, no, 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 no. He's the anointed one. You're just the help. Now, because of what you've done, there's consequences. And when God left, it says that Miriam walked out of the tent and she was white with leprosy. Kind of like Elisha and the three bear and the bears. Or Elijah and the bears. <laughs> Don't mess with the man of God. Don't mess with the anointed. And the anointing, you'll pay for it. You will pay. Hopefully, the, the anointed one is going to do and do the same thing that Moses did. Because Moses, they went to Moses and said, help us, Moses. How, we're going to, you know, leprosy back then was a distance. They cried to Moses. And then Moses, Moses said, what, are you crazy? You did it, now you suffer the consequences. He didn't say that. He petitioned God to heal them. He didn't take the bait. He didn't, because if he had taken that bait of offense, his ministry would have been through. His anointing would have gone. But it wasn't his battle he was fighting. 
It was God's battle. And God was taking care of it. He was just obedient. He was obedient. His, his response was obedience. And Moses' response was obedience. Moses didn't take up the offense, but he prayed for healing. And what does it say? It says that God told them, okay, so what's the normal thing if you're unclean? You got to go outside the camp for seven days. So sent Miriam, Miriam out to the outside of the camp for a week. And then once she was done, then she came back and was restored. There's a lesson here. So what's our response going to be? What's our response? Are we going to try to do it ourselves? Or are we going to let God do it? Because of the response of Jehoshaphat, this is what God did. See, there was a response. Jehoshaphat had a response. God had a response. When we respond, God responds. God responded and spoke through a Levite named Jehaziel, who was a descendant of Asaph. Does that, does that name sound familiar to you, Asaph? Or, is it, or, or it's, as it's pronounced in the Hebrew, Asaph. Asaph. Look in Psalms. Psalms 70 to 83, I think. Psalms of Asaph. Psalms of Asaph. And God used the descendant of Asaph to speak. He came over, he uh, uh, just came on him, came over him. The spirit of God came over him and he began to speak. And I think, and, and when I was looking at this, I found it interesting that God used Jehaziel, who was a descendant of Asaph. Because you know what Asaph means? It means to destroy. <laughs> I saw that, I just started laughing. <laughs> God, how cool is that? How cool is it that you use, an, you use the descendant of somebody that their name means destroy and to say that you're bringing deliverance because you're gonna destroy the enemy. Glory to God. It's not a coincidence. God chose him because of that. And God is telling you the same thing through Jehaziel, that God is gonna destroy the enemies of your soul. Destroy the enemies that are engaged in a battle with you. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, it says this. He said, this is what Jehaziel said. Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Those things that you're going through, they're not your battle, they're God's. They, they're God's battle. They're God's responsibility. Because God said that he would keep us to the day that we... I, I'm going to have to quote it. And he is faithful to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You've committed your life to him. He's going to keep you and sustain you against that day. What day is that? The day we stand before Jesus. And he's going to keep you. And he's going to su sustain you. He's going to hold you up with his mighty right hand. The battle's not yours. Well, I figured I'd get a little, bitter, bigger, little bigger response than that. In Hosea chapter 1, verse 7 from the New Living Translation says, But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies. 
not with weapons and armies or horses and charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's going to be by God's spirit that he's going to deliver you and keep you. He's going to take you through it. He's going to deliver you from it. The battle is his. It's not yours. So Jehoshaphat and, and, and Judah responded, and then God responded to their response. So what was the result? The result was they began to praise. If you read it, it says they began to praise. When God spoke, after Jehaziel spoke God's word to them, they began to praise. So what does that tell you? I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. Begin to praise God in the face of your battle because it's his, not yours. They bowed down in worship. Then when they bowed down in humility, because when you bow down, that means you're humbling yourself. We bow down and humbly thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're, go that you're gonna fight my battles. Thank you, God, that you're... And then some stood up and they began to praise and thank God and shout glory to God, glory to God with a loud voice. They start off quiet, but then you get loud. Kind of like me, I start off quiet, but I get really loud. Why? I'm thrilled that God would see me and take notice of me and provide for me and deliver me because he knows where I am and where I've been. And in spite of all of that, he loves me. He loves you. So then another thing is they, be, they prepared. We're going to be going past 12, so just be prepared. <laughs> they prepared. So I'm telling you, prepare, right? They prepared. How did they prepare? They got up early. <laughs> uh, God's got this. I'm going to roll over and go back to sleep. No, they prepared. They got up, they dressed themselves. They didn't dress themselves in everyday clothes. They dressed themselves in battle gear. They prepared for rain. They ate. Then they went and they gathered together. See, when, there's, God is telling us to do things. The battle is his, but yeah, we have to prepare ourselves. We've got to prepare ourselves for the deliverance. We've got to prepare ourselves for the answer. If we're not looking, we'll miss it. It'll go right on by. You don't believe me? Just take a look at the Pharisees. Jesus walked right by outside the door, and they missed him because they were looking for something else. Walk right on by. Hosanna, Hosanna. Boom. Who's this guy? Who's he think he is? They missed. You got to prepare. We prepare ourselves for everything else that so we need to prepare for to receive our blessings. We need to prepare to receive the victory. You need a victory? Prepare yourself for that victory. Calling those things that aren't as though they were. You've been victorious. I'm victorious. Just like in now, I don't pray. For, I'm not asking God for 500 people. No. I'm thanking God for the 500 people that are already here. 
I'm thanking God that we have a church of 500. I'm thanking God that he's, gonna, he's allowing me to pastor 500 people. I thank God that this church is full on Sunday mornings of people praying. I'm thanking God on Sunday evenings that this church is full. I don't see it. But I'm still thanking God for it. I'm preparing for rain. Because the battle is the Lord's. It's not mine. It's nothing that I'm going to do, but it's everything that he's going to do. I just prepare myself and walk in obedience. Another thing they did was they believed. If you don't believe, you don't see it. If I didn't believe that God was going to do 500 people in this church, I, I wouldn't be thanking God for it. I see it. I see it. I believe it and I see it. You have to believe it and see that God has delivered you and made you victorious in the battles that belong to him. See, they had to be obedient. Well, how'd they show it? By placing singers in the front. What kind of battle strategy is that? Put singers in the front of the soldiers. Makes no kind of military sense at all. Remember back in, in 1991 when uh, the uh, shock and awe, you know, when they invaded Iraq, shock and awe. They didn't send in singers. <laughs> We're marching to Zion. Beautiful. They didn't do that. It's not sound military strategy. But can we tell you this? God's ways are not our ways. His strategy is not our strategy. I used to say that, you know, that, uh, you know how you hear the term, you know, we're going to turn the world upside down. No, we're not turning the world upside down. We're turning the world upside right. Because when sin entered the world, it went upside down and cattywampus. It went haywire. And when Jesus comes in and the Spirit comes in and works and moves in people's lives, it gets flipped back up right side up so that they can see properly. They can see clearly. They can see with the eyes of the Lord. Not with the eyes of tainted sin. They believed. They show. They sang. They give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Give thanks. If you want to, want to read a psalm, that, that, that perfect example of this, Psalm 136. Every other sentence is, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. When I sang with that group that I sang with way back in the 80s, we did a song, we actually, it was our own song, it wasn't somebody else's song that we redid, it was our own song, and it was based on Psalm 136. And you want to know the interesting thing about it, is I still got the cassette tape of it, well, we practiced it. <laughs> yeah, for some of you who don't know what a cassette tape is, see me after service, I'll show you the ones I have in my office. I showed Pastor Brian my, my, my cassette tapes that are in my office, and I played one for him, and he went, wow, it still sounds good. <laughs> well, yeah, if you bought a good one, they lasted a long time. And I didn't buy nothing cheap. I'm not going to buy something cheap, put my music on some cheap tape. You know, the cheap tapes that you bought, they, most of those are gone. You see, you've seen them on the side of the road with the tape, big wad of tape out on the side of the road. It just went... Praise a hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. See, they trusted God to do what they couldn't do for themselves. You can't get yourself out of the trouble that you're in. You can't get yourself out of the fight that you're in. The only way to get out of it is you give it to God. You step back and get out of the way. 
Get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Because what did God do? He set their enemies against themselves. God set ambushes. Second Chronicles 20, 22. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. He caused the armies to begin to fight with one another. And that's what God is telling you now. Begin to praise him and watch those enemies fight each other and not you. Begin to praise. Begin to praise. Hallelujah. Psalm 53, 5 from the English Standard Version says, There they are in great terror where there is no terror. Does it sound like this situation here with the, the, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the them other ones? But doesn't that sound like that? There's terror where there was no terror. God does that. God does that. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame. For God has rejected them. God's rejected them, and he's going to set them at odds. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. And what happened? When God set them against one another, they began to kill each other. And they wiped each other out. There wasn't a live soul among them. And if you think about it, they should already have been dead. They should all, these folks should already have been dead. If you go back to Saul, he told him, did he not tell him to kill man, woman, children, everything, everything, kill it all. Don't leave anything alive. But Saul had a better idea. I'll just keep the best for God and we'll make sacrifices. These folks should already have been dead and this wouldn't have happened. They're reaping what they sowed. Now, God stepped in. God stepped in. And God will step in for you. God will step in. Be obedient. God set them against you. So what happens next? Well, their obedience brought blessing. How do I know that their obedience brought blessing? Well, it's found in chapter 20, verses 25 to 26. It says, when Jehoshaphat and his family and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place is called the valley of Barakah until this day. Three days picking up jewelry and money and fine clothing and three days. Why? Because they were obedient and they got out of the way. They got out of the way. And their obedience caused blessing. And that's, that's a lesson for us. Our obedience brings blessing. Our obedience brings blessing. And I'll say this at the risk of repeating myself. Partial obedience is disobedience. Just like a partial truth is a lie. It's like taking a glass of water and putting one drop of poison in it and then drinking, hoping it's not going to bother you. 
Obedience, the scripture says, is better than sacrifice. And it also says that I will not offer my God anything that costs me nothing. And sometimes our obedience is going to cost you something. But when we're obedient, the blessings flow. The blessings flow with obedience. The name Beracha means blessing in Hebrew. This was the valley of their blessing because God fought for them and they collected the spoils. God didn't take the spoils for himself. They got it. It was God's battle. He should have got the spoils, right? They got them. They got them. God, you can fight for me any day. We say that, but do we demonstrate it? See, that's where the rub is. We say it, but we often don't do it. We've got to learn, God, fight my battles. God, fight my battles. Then they return joyfully to Jerusalem. And they went to the temple with harps and lyres. Not L-I-E-R or L-I-A-R. Not lyres, but lyres, L-Y-R-E-S. Musical instruments. See, because you, you can't go to the temple and you can't go joyfully with liars. Because there's no joy with liars. I didn't even have that in my notes. That's just, that's just a spur of the moment Holy Spirit thing. They went joyfully. They continued to worship and praise God. See, they praised from the beginning to the end. That's the lesson, is we praise from the beginning to the end. And we don't lose hope. We don't go f- grow weary in doing well. We continue to go and move and keep on going and knowing and praising God. And we don't get to the point where in the middle of, of the trial we're going, Well, God, I guess you're not going to answer my prayer. You haven't done it yet, so I guess you're not going to do it. Eeyore. Oh, no, we'll never make it. We will make it. We will make it. We're victors and not victims. That means we praise him from the beginning. God says to praise. We praise. Thank you, Jesus. We praise him in the middle of the problem. We praise him, and at the end, we give him thanks and glory because he brought us through praising the whole way. As a result, the surrounding kingdoms of God also feared Because God fought for Israel. See, God's victories are not done in a vacuum. They are not done in a vacuum. So that only you see it or one or two other people. God does those things so that everybody sees. Everybody sees. When God delivers you, everybody sees. And then then it gives people pause to reflect and say, hmm, if God is going to take care of them now, maybe I should just leave them alone. You want people to leave you alone? You want people to stop talking bad about you? Start praising the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. They're talking about me. Thank you, Jesus, that they're spreading rumors. See, because when God finishes the battle, when God takes control of that situation and God delivers you from that and God does does for you what you can't do or what you shouldn't do, 
then people around that, that, whoever that is, and other people around, they'll start thinking twice about, maybe I better not talk about that person. Maybe I better be nice to that person. Maybe I ought to be their friend. It's for God's glory to be revealed. It's not for, the bottom line is it's for God. It's, It's to point to him. It's to point us to Jesus, it's to point us to the cross. It's to point. It's to point us in the direction of heaven. That's why God does all these things. He doesn't do it just to bless you. He does it so that other people will see and other people will want what you have. They'll want it. See, the whole idea of us being a church is that we bring people to the foot of the cross. That's what it's all about. It's not about being blessed. It's not about God winning our battles for us. It's that those things, the result of all those things should be bringing people to the foot of the cross and to meet Jesus in a personal relationship. But God knows that we need him to fight our battles because we cannot get discouraged See, when we, when we were fighting battles for an extended period of time, and we get discouraged. When we let God do it for us, there's no discouragement in that because there's nothing that we did or didn't do. Oh, God, I should have done that. Well, no, you shouldn't have because I did it. I took care of it. But don't forget, you have a responsibility in this. You have to prepare. You prepare as if God wasn't going to do it for you. All the while knowing he is. And that I don't have to worry. I can get dressed. I can get ready. I get ready for battle and I can stand there and I can watch God. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. God responded to their obedience and acknowledge of him. See, our spiritual battles are not, our spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual means. You can't fight spiritual battles with worldly and fleshly means. For the weapons of our warfare are what? They're not carnal. They're not fleshly. But they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down. It's the walls of Jericho coming down. The walls of Jericho, those walls that people that you know have built around themselves to protect themselves, and you're just walking around praising God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Those walls are coming down. Thank you, Lord, those walls are down. Thank you, Lord, that those walls are flat as as a pancake. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing the work in these people. Thank you, God, what you've done. I see it. I believe it. I trust you for it. Thank you, God. I'm giving you the victory. I'm giving you the glory because it's your victory. and And pretty soon... Those walls that those people have placed up around themselves, all of a sudden they're gone because you pulled down the stronghold. That's what a stronghold is. You pulled it down. Pull it down. I wish that we would all learn this this lesson so well because we remember it for a while and we forget and we go back but I don't want to go back anymore. I want to remember that everything I need to do is praise God. It's because the scripture says, the wep- not that one, I just said that one. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. See, those are three different people. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Flesh is not going to cut it when you're dealing with that. Our battles are not against flesh and blood. 
It's not against those things. It's against everything that comes against God and is anti-God and the things that try to destroy everything that God stands for. That's what we're all about. Because in Romans 8, 31, it says, if God's for us, who can be against us? If God is fighting my battles, can they win? Can the enemy win if God is fighting my battles? Then why do we act like it? Goes back to we say it, but do we live it? So what battle are you confronted with this morning? Are you confronted with a physical battle? You can, are you facing a spiritual battle, a physical battle, an emotional battle? What kind of battle are you facing this morning? You know how to get, how to get the victory? Start praising. Start praising. You have, you have a problem with, with your thought life? Start praising. You have a problem with your family? Start praising God. Not that you're having problems with your family. You start praising God that that battle is his and that battle is over. The battle belongs to the Lord. Let's all stand. There's a song out. I want you, it came out back in the 90s. No, late 80s. Late 80s? I don't forget. It's been so long ago. Done by a group called Petra. But it was actually written by Jamie Owens Collins. It's called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. That's your homework for this week. Listen to that song. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. I want you to listen to that. I'm serious. That's your homework for this week. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. No one looking around. You say, Pastor, I'm experiencing, I have a battle. I'm going through something. And I've been trying to take care of it myself. But I'm going to give it to the Lord. And I'm going to let the Lord fight my battle. I'm going to let the Lord fight for me because all I'm doing is getting in the way. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands.